Um, my father always had a saying when I was growing up, doesn't matter what you're doing when you're doing what you're doing. If they don't know what you're doing when you're doing what you're doing. I thought my old man was crazy. Being in the transportation industry, that is a very important statement that I've shared with all of my employees. We have to communicate first. Um, we have to pick up on time. We have to deliver safely. We have to deliver on time. And in the three and a half years now that we've had equipment on the road, we've had one late delivery that was not related to anything other than driver error, and that driver's no longer with us. I'm Todd Dills, and in this edition of Overdrive Radio, we're talking with Leander Richmond, owner of an eight-truck small fleet, Eagle Express, hauling out of Michigan for some direct customers and a variety of brokers. Richmond regular readers of my Channel 19 blog may recall from past coverage issues he's had with some of the brokers he deals with, a lot of it relating to breaching accessorial agreements on detention pay and other issues. Communication is important, for sure. Richmond has uncovered no small amount of frustration in the very fiber of his being with increasingly pushy freight middlemen when it comes to proof of delivery. As you'll hear here at the beginning of our talk, some go as far as to make it a contract stipulation that the carrier will be required to send proof of delivery within an hour of offload, or lose all claim to payment for that load. Sound outrageous? Yeah, I thought so too. Here's Richmond. Generally, we pick up freight, we haul freight, so we get paid to do. And historically, we wait for the driver to send his paperwork in once we get it or send it in or bring it in. Um, and once we get it, we bill it immediately thereafter. The customer receives a copy in the mail or the originals and they pay us. All right. New technology, cell phones, pictures. Um, now they are demanding, and I'm some of them absolutely demanding to have copies of the paperwork within a certain amount of hours after delivery. The most ridiculous one that, uh, example that we saw was a broker out of California that slipped onto his rate confirmation that if they did not receive a copy of the rate confirmation or the um, proof of delivery within four hours after delivering, that we, the carrier, would waive 100% of our claim to the um, to payment. Okay, when they well. was to say that, I called this guy up. I said, dude, I can't sign this. And he, he was arrogant about it. Oh, well, fine, I'll find someone else. And I'm thinking to myself, that's an awfully arrogant attitude for someone who owns a telephone. Right. Um, but the, what's more ridiculous about that to me is that he can be that arrogant with such a ridiculous clause on his contract. That more people <clears throat> haven't called him on it and that that anybody would ever even sign something like that. Um, one of the things that we have lately now I've gotten, I've gotten uh, which was what prompted my email to you last week, mm-hmm. I literally had, I can't remember if it was three or phone calls all at the same time, all with people wanting PODs and all for loads that had just delivered either that day or within a previous 24-hour period. And I finally, unfortunately, I went to an unprofessional level and I conferenced them all together and I said, guys, we're in the business of hauling freight. And I apologize if this seems rude, it's not intended to, 
when I have time, I will get these documents to you. But right now I'm trying to move my trucks, the thing that make us money, which we accomplished for you. Um, only one of them had a problem with it. The others kind of went, yeah, okay, that, that's understandable and acceptable. Right. But yeah, the, the standard that's changing for these guys or the standard that they're trying to place upon us as the carrier is nuts. And the reasons for it are crazy. I, I've asked them, dude, do you really need this right now? Most of them lie and say, yes, my customer has to have it or they're going to cancel our business. Well, we've got direct customers. I actually had one person give me a legitimate excuse. And I said, you know what? I'll go through the trouble for that. Which was what? Um, his excuse was that their customer actually bills his customer for the machinery once they see the proof of delivery. And the faster they get it on their end, they can actually get their money, which is what they pay the broker with, and they pay us. And I was okay with that on, that was a specialized movement. The machinery was $400,000. That's fine. But when we're talking about a bag of a load of sand or rock salt or something like that, that's totally worth $30,000. I don't think the world's going to fall apart. Right. <laughs> so, and here's the other side of this, Todd. We have some drivers that do this as a matter of course, and they're able to handle their phone, get the picture taken. Um, some of it will actually run it through some of the programs so that it looks like a scan. And then I've got right. some drivers that are 70 years old that go, you want me to do what? Sure. So maybe 10, 15 years in the future, we will be to that point where everyone is capable of doing this easily. Right. But uh, right now it's just annoying. We do it when we can, like I said. Uh, we certainly do it. We understand that it is helpful, but we don't want to stop the wheels of our business to chase a piece of paperwork for a load that just delivered three hours ago. I'm not going to have my drivers pulling into a truck stop to fax me a proof of delivery, especially with these new ELD regulations. Richmond went with Omnitracks less expensive onboard units for his trucks. And after a difficult first day getting up to speed for all eight of his drivers, issues have been few and far between, he says. While he held out hope until the last minute for a change in the regulation, he didn't install until the last day before the December 18th enforcement date last year. He's at least happy about what he believes is the chief mandate result, better rates. But I can tell you the ELD mandate has done uh, wonders for rates. Um, it hasn't done wonders for the broker issue. Um, some brokers are obviously much, much better than others. And unfortunately, we have to experience the bad brokers before we realize that they're bad. Uh, we can't always rely on the rating systems that are out there. They're mostly designed to avoid uh, or for credit purposes. But yeah. You know, for us, uh, we, we do see a lot of ridiculous expectations from brokers. Uh, we cross out probably five or six items on at least half of the rate confirmations that we get. And there's this, only this proof, of this proof of delivery issue is one of those, of course, I think we talked about. Oh, yes. 
yes, they, there's a $50 fine if we don't get our POD within scratch. You know, we don't make promises for anything other than picking up the freight on time and delivering it safely and on time. That we promise. I'm not getting into promises and giving back money for paperwork or anything, anything else. Since the last communication Richmond and I had had, a little over a year ago, his most recent email to me revealed that he'd made some changes to an addendum below his standard email signature, which he calls something of a disclaimer. His prior addendum placed there, intended for the brokers he communicates with routinely throughout the day, which I wrote about on the Channel 19 blog at overdriveonline.com at the time, declares that his fleet does not consider shipper or consignee-initiated contact with the carrier to constitute, quote, back solicitation, end quote. Since that time, he'd added several new declarations. A little tough love for brokers in the audience that might care to read his emails in more depth, for instance. Please include detention info on rate confirmation. We do not back solicit. We do not broker. We do not provide our driver's phone numbers. We do not sign rate confirmations with auto deductions. And there's more. And you know what? We're getting ready to up that. And actually, what I, I actually just tasked one of my employees here with um, creating, we already have an asset sort of sheet in place for larger companies that we deal with. But I want one that we get to send back with every rate con that explains that if we do not have a detention in place, a detention understanding or at least an agreement of what the detention will be, we're not going in. We're just not going to go pick up the load. And too many times we hear, um, well, no, this place loads really quickly. I've never had an issue there. Well, then sign it. There won't be any problem. Just tell me what it's going to be. And they try and talk their way out of it. And we've had too many instances where we don't solidify that up front. And then later we're discussing it with them because they say, well, uh, my customer only authorizes $35 an hour. Well, then I get livid. So now we're, we're to the point where we just will not go in unless we all agree up front what those terms are. For us, our standard is going to be two hours. I don't like it. I think that you only need one hour to load a truck, especially when there's an appointment. And mm-hmm. after that, somewhere between 50 to $75 an hour detention, even though I think detention should be somewhere around $120 an hour. Yeah, I've the heard standard. that from other folks as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The standards that are placed on everyone in the trucking industry by the DOT and especially by the customers, they want their freight picked up and delivered on time. You miss anything and these people are unhappy. Um, but then when you park there and you sit there and they, they say something as stupid as, well, my customer only authorized, and I love that too, my customer only. Well, I'm not dealing with your customer. I'm dealing with you. This is an agreement between you and me, not between me and your customer, because if I were dealing with your customer directly, I'd be telling them the same thing I'm telling you. And again, in that, in that, the way that you described that, uh, that back and forth, and I know, um, you know, both brokers and and trucking companies think of shipper as the ultimate customer, right? But, but you know, a broker is a middleman. A broker is a, has two customers, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> On either end of this thing. 
they do. You, and and one, one of them is you. So, I mean, you know, just the, too many brokers don't think of the carrier as their customer, right? Um, well, that, that, that's the, that's the divining line between those good brokers and those bad brokers. You know, I'll tell you that I, the whole time I drove, I started driving back in 91, 92. Um, the whole time I drove, all I ever heard was negative stuff about Landstar. Landstar is just the, I can't use the word, but the bad people in the industry. And I can tell you from a business side of it and having dealt with now over 300 brokers, uh, big and small, Landstar is probably, or at least I should say 99% of the Landstar agents that we've dealt with are my favorite agents. Okay. They almost always have all of the information we need up front, on time. They know what their expectations are. They have no problem completing agreements we get everything done they're happy we're happy they actually make life easy um there are some others i won't mention the, the brokers that i don't like but we did have a um a situation with one of the largest brokers in the country um that ended up going to one of their top level people where we ended up putting an assessorial policy in place in writing and the end result is most of the time that they call us or we call them the first thing they see is that policy and believe it or not it stops some of them in their tracks and they go oh, I, I can't agree to this and the, the thing is it's it really just says first two hours free after that seventy dollars an hour um if we sit somewhere for you know um for instance we do a lot of trade shows if we sit somewhere for eight hours and it turns into a layover, we expect the detention plus a $500 layover fee. I don't think that's too much to ask. And some of these guys just think that's ridiculous. And I'm thinking, why don't you just go to your customer and tell your customer what the industry is? Give them a realistic view of it. Because if the mm -hmm. brokers were not out there, they would have a realistic view of the industry. And again, that, yeah. I realize there's a place for brokers and they have a place, but half of them get it we get really good rates from half the brokers out there and other brokers you call them up and they want you to drive well today i was laughing because everything we called for out of indiana buck 70 buck 80 a mile and i thank them for their time and i'm just not doing it tell me uh yes you, you mentioned you you started driving back in the early 90s um give me a little bit of your history and um and up until today when where the you know, eagle uh, Eagle Express company comes from and what, how you guys are, uh, where, you, where you're sitting today in terms of uh, size. I started off driving not too long after high school. Wanted to be a truck driver since I, man, maybe two years old. Grandfather okay. was a truck driver. Um, father worked at a UPS terminal in El Dorado, Arkansas. So at nights, even though OSHA would never allow this today, I used to go in and help them work <laughs> on trucks. Yeah. So um, I always wanted to be a truck driver. Um, stumbled into it, drove until 98, started Eagle Express, didn't do much with it uh, other than brokerage until 2013, four, I'm sorry, 2014, okay. made the decision to buy some trucks. And 
took a long look at what I wanted to get into, and I decided that specialized would be the way to go. So right now we have eight trucks and trailers on the road and hoping to double that this year. In terms of those eight trucks and trailers, the trailers are all what? They're all stepped at Conestogas. Cool. So you're you're hauling all all manner of um, anything that that get in there, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of robotics, a lot of machinery, okay. uh, some trade show stuff. A lot of fun stuff. Most of the freight that we have, drivers actually like. Uh, they get to see a lot of cool stuff. So, and um, that way, I'm a machinery freak. So, I actually went to the uh, manufacturer's trade show and. Chicago last year or two years ago, and I think I'm going to go this year just because I wanted to walk around and look at all the cool machinery and the robots. So you're in an expansion phase, you said? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd like to get us up to about 150 trucks. Figure by then I'll be too old to do this. Just went to the dealer yesterday. I'm sorry, the day before, and looked at the okay. new Freightliner. Are you so yep. Today? We're starting that. What? Yeah, they're all Freightliners, all identical. Cascadia's bought them all at the same time. Went from zero okay. to eight trucks in a matter of two months. But How yep, I've you, been looking uh, at those. Um, we're going to do some slightly additionally specialized equipment. We're going to go a little bit more specialized on some of our new trailers. Take advantage a little bit more of the um, increased liability. Okay, I'll say it. Higher rates. <laughs> it came out backwards. I was going to say the increased rates that are that accompany increased liability. Makes sense. Um, you were a broker yourself, huh? Not a traditional broker. Um, no. We had a few contracts with a few um, very large companies, and we had. Okay a very select few customers, or I'm sorry, carriers that we used um, to give that print to. We didn't, we, I didn't call out, use anyone extra. They were able, I guess I was lucky in that manner. They were able to cover 100% between the three of them of everything that we needed. So it worked out for us. So I don't give myself full credit for brokering as hard as these guys have to work because the brokers, that we deal with, they work hard compared to what I did. I'll be honest with you. I had my freight you in were, hand. I'll, I had my carrier in hand. Wasn't a whole lot of negotiation. Just passed one to the other. If there was an issue, we handled the issue. And it was as if you were. Um, they we we. One of the things that we do, Todd. Um, we pride ourselves on it. It's something that we drive the service communication. We have a solid reputation. The people that use us prefer us because they know what they're going to get when they call us. And in some cases, believe it or not, that actually works to our favor financially as well. Well, that, that communication piece is great, but, um, you know, it seems like it seems like that the brokers are wanting uh, more and more of it with, uh, in terms of the proof of delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I and I'll tell you some of the things that we do. Our system actually sends out emails um, yeah. at all four points in the transportation. The pickup actually it sends out up to eight points, but we really only select okay. um, arrival and departure at both the shipper and consignee. It will actually send out an email when we assign a driver, 
and then when we dispatch the driver, so when we're dispatching the driver on the empty move, it will send that information as well. We just don't use it because we, we don't think anybody cares about it. Um, we are now using an Omnitrax. I've actually set up quite, I've been adding customers every time we get a new customer, a new location, or a new load. I've been geofencing the customer. That is able to send an email to the broker that we get the load from when our truck breaks that plane going in and coming out. We haven't had a, a chance to challenge it yet, but what I'm hoping that will do is that will eliminate, and this, this, that's not new. I think Warner's been doing that forever. But right. a, lot, that, a lot of companies have, a lot of bigger, bigger fleets, yeah. Exactly. But my thinking is they can't argue about the time that we got there and the time that we left because we're sending them an unmanipulated piece of information. Mm -hmm. And I've literally had people call me and accuse me, your driver's not there. And I go, dude, I know everyone else in the industry lies to you, but I'm not lying. Hang on. And I send them an email. I said, log in. You can see where my truck is. Oh, well, they can't find him. Well, that's a real issue. Now we can fix that, but I can't work yeah. on him not being there when he's there. Ultimately, the... The issue with the proof of delivery is is just getting the final paperwork in. Yeah, it's it's these, the, these, well, it's these the kind of things that, you're doing will help it though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but the the biggest issue is the time. In this industry, yeah. time efficiency it's important. And if I have yeah. to take three, four phone calls a day requesting POD, mind you, I only have eight trucks. Three yeah. or phone, four phone calls a day. Hey, man. Um, you picked up a load for, and they, they don't say it quickly. This is so-and-so. You picked up a load for us last week. I think it was, it was Tuesday and it went from here to here. And then, then I'm going to get, come on. Um, we haven't received <laughs> proof of delivery. So now I have to research if we build it, because if we have, then I send it to them. And sometimes that is the case. Um, but it is, it does take time. Right. Now, if you go, I'd say a reasonable amount of time. If you go nowadays, at least from my trucks, an hour footprint of operation. If you go 10 days and you haven't received an invoice, call me. Because we have a very, very rapid billing process here. Right. Which is probably why I get so agitated with the people with the POD request because most of the time our loads are billed within a week. I have heard brokers speak to that effect of, um, you know, the, the customers they're dealing with are wanting the, the kinds of things that, that you're putting in place with that Omnitrack system and the geofencing. Mm. Um, and, part, and a big part of that, of course, is that is that proof of delivery at the end. Right. Um, so I think once once you have that in place, you, you may cover that for a lot of people. That is and will be good and cool, yeah. except that it still won't address what I think are the bigger issues. We have no reason to lie about the time that we arrive or depart. Those are the real issues. And while I'm complaining about it, remember, I'm complaining while I realize it's only a problem with I'd probably say half of the brokers out there because there's a good number of them. And even when we first started in this, there's a good number of them that say, Hey man, we pay 70 an hour. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. Right. 
Yeah, uh, yes. They're fair. They're good. We have great relationships with those people. Um, it's the guys that you get, um, like a call that I made once. We were having an issue with a load, and the guy said, uh, hang on, my buddy's on the toilet. And then I heard some people talking in the background. They were on a college campus. The agent was on a college campus working from his dorm room. I'm not making this up. (laughs) Of course, I thought to myself, wow, how serious is he about this industry and this job? And I really want to be taking a load from this guy who let someone answer his phone and tell me that. (laughs) Too late we were there. But I've also heard did, did more take... stories from brokers about carriers that, that make me go, you're kidding me. That's not possible. What do you mean somebody told you the truck was there and it was 300 miles away? That's, who would do that? There's more of where that came from, ultimately. We'll follow up with more from Richmond on other broker negotiation topics in a later podcast. Meantime, you can leave tips or comments or vociferous or not so vociferous opinions on the Overdrive Radio message line, 530-408-6423. Be sure to leave your name and base location with any message and stay safe out there this week. Till next time.